Hello and welcome to Spy Hard's podcast, where your hosts go deep undercover into the world of spy movies to decipher which films make the knock list. But remember, this information is strictly for your ears only. I'm Agent Scott. Somebody ring the dinkster? Cam the provocateur here. <laughs> oh, God. And uh, fresh off licking a bunch of robo-toads, because they would have to just to watch this film, it is Karen and Aubrey from the Chick Lit Podcast making their triumphant return. Hello, ladies. Hello. <laughs> so many robo-toads. Hold on to your joysticks, boys. Oh, God. <laughs> we tracked them through their no. email. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what's oh, up? It's good to be back. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we have this weird thing on this podcast where we have a lot of guests on and we give them a really bad film. <laughs> right. That's like their first time round. And then we promise to give them a good film down the line. You ladies have been the inverse. We gave you Jason Bourne to start off with. And now we're giving you this film. Yeah. The, this beautiful artistic uh, masterpiece that is Spy Kids 3D. <laughs> Jason Bourne wasn't wasn't my favorite of the Bourne series, but is by far oh a better movie than this one. <laughs> now, maybe before we talk about what we're talking about this week, what is the relationship you two have with uh, the Spy Kids franchise? So maybe the first two films in the series. Did you see them back in the day? Any any connections whatsoever? Yeah, I mean, I really liked them. I I loved the first two. I was probably like a little little older for the bracket that it was aimed for, but I still got a kick out of the first one. I don't know if I saw the second one, um, but I really loved it. I mean, I love Antonio Banderas. I thought it was well cast. It was cute. It was a fun movie and I, I enjoyed it. I've seen it over the years, but um, I did not know this was happening. With... <laughs> Some, somehow I escaped as a millennial having never seen any of them. Um, wow. And this, I think this was my first, I was also a very sheltered child. So that's another reason I I was watching like veggie tales and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, this was my first time as far as I know that I remember watching a Spy Kids movie. I mean, your parents were wise to keep this film away from you. <laughs> yeah. This particular one, probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um, what about kids' movies in general, taking away from the, the spy kids of it all? Like, are you a fan of kids' films? Uh, not something that you watch all the time, but do you still enjoy watching kids' films now? I still really enjoy... I'll watch, like, almost any Don Bluth mm -hmm. film. Um, Secret of Nim was, like, my favorite movie as a kid. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> I was kind of obsessed with Thumbelina, and I oh, had, yeah. my brother's autistic, so growing up, like, we had all the Disney movies on repeat, so I enjoy watching the <laughs> I enjoy watching kids' movies immensely. I don't know about some of the shit they're putting out today, but <laughs> you know, uh, whatever. Trolls was cute, I guess. <laughs> There's also been this weird trend lately of like, I guess I'll use Kim Possible as an example of like either Disney or usually Disney remaking kids properties from when you know people in their 30s like late 20s and 30s were kids but also gearing it towards kids now so they don't really have the nostalgia to go back and watch it but it's also not geared towards adults so it doesn't really make me want to watch it either yeah um, makes sense 
I don't. I don't know. It was like I I saw like the Kim Possible clips from the Kim Possible movie, uh, and I was like, "Who is this for?" <laughs> Speaking of spies, I, I think it's because like when you see the box office on like Beauty and the Beast or The Lion King, they're just like remake all of them in live action, even if some of them don't work. All you need is that one billion dollar grocer to fund the rest of them. Yeah, it's true. I'm waiting for Ariel live action. <laughs> Sure. Waiting for the Little Mermaid. It's coming real <laughs> soon. It's coming. Real soon. It's coming. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure it is. I think it's already it's shot. Happen. I think they're just probably in post production on it now. Rob Marshall. Yeah. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Ugh. They really have to beat us over the head with these remakes, don't they? Oh yeah, they're doing. I think Pinocchio is being shot oh. right now. Lilo and Stitch is pretty close. Yeah, they're doing all of them. Wow. The entire time. They're doing a live action Lilo and Stitch. Yep. Ugh. I I loved Lady and the Tramp. As a kid, mostly because I enjoyed spaghetti. Sure. And <laughs> and I, I've purposely gone out of my way to never watch the remake they put on Disney+. Plus. It never had a cinematic release, mm-hmm. to be fair. Is that the ones with the real dogs or something? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I saw it. Like, it's... I can't even say to... Anyone should watch it. It feels like a TV movie. Like, it's very... Like, it's pretty cheap looking. It's It's yeah. not on the level of... Even just as on a uh, you know crafts level, it's not on the level of the the ones they put in theaters. It's not on the level of baby geniuses, guys. Everything <laughs> needs to be baby geniuses level, okay? Hey, just be careful, otherwise you're going to be invited back for Boss Baby Two. Oh, yeah, <laughs> not the first one, the second. No, <laughs> always the sequels. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Oh, no. Well, uh, speaking of uh, looking low budget, I suggest we uh, step into the arena of misfortune. Cam, what are we talking about this week? Yes, we are tackling 2003's Spy Kids 3D Game Over, directed by Robert Rodriguez. This is that era where they always put 3D, yeah, 4D mm-hmm. in every title. By God, is it annoying. But luckily, the letterbox.com synopsis is very short. Cool. <laughs> Spy Kids 3D, game over. Third dimension, third mission. Carmen's caught in a virtual reality game designed by the kid's new nemesis, the Toymaker. It's up to Junie to save his sister and ultimately the world. Mm. Yeah, sure. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's it's a synopsis. (laughs) That's that's it. That's literally all of the film. (laughs) That's it. That's the script. That's the whole thing. That was the screenplay right there. <laughs> Just, all right, guys. It's been a pleasure. Um, we are Chicklet Podcast. <laughs> Karen, Aubrey, take a bow. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Jeez Louise. Yeah. Well, I, mm, yeah, it's... Um, I suppose like we kind of already answered the question of previous connections with the both of you with this film. Aubrey says I hadn't seen the third one, but has seen the first two. Karen, you've never seen any of them. I had never seen any of them, though I do vividly, vividly remember the trailer for this one because I remember she's got the she's got the like the the claw hand and it's like reaching through the television to grab the popcorn because mm-hmm. they were trying to really reinforce the fact that it was in 3D, um, which was very evident as I was watching it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, this is the worst. I, I tried to get a copy of it in 3D, but the only way you can do that now is if you have a 3D television. Yeah. And uh, I love spy movies, but I don't love this film enough to buy a 3D TV. <laughs> yet. No. <laughs> I, you, you all could change my mind. Yeah. <laughs> I, 
I barely wanted to spend the $4 it cost me to rent it on YouTube. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, really? It was free for me on Netflix. Yeah, different countries. I need to utilize my VPN more. <laughs> yeah, true, true. it's a spy podcast. It's all about VPNs here. It's true, it's true. It's true. Never get caught. Scott, did you see this in theaters? Because you were a fan of the Spy Kids series when you were younger. I can confirm. I did. <gasps> did you, you did had you the 3D it? experience. Did you hate it? it? No, it. no. <laughs> I loved it. I mean, this film came out in what year was it? Two thousand three. Two thousand three. Oh, three. So, I mean, just to set the scene, I was full on goth mode Scott at this point. I was yes! sixteen. You know, I was somewhere in between listening to new metal or or like Pearl Jam or Tool, and you know, I was wearing eyeshadow, nail varnish, black jackets, black clothes, but. My mum says, hey, I'm taking your little brothers to see Spy Kids 3D. Do you want to come? Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I got 80 minutes. We stand goth, Scott. (laughs) We do. I was a gothy in my day. We stand it. I mean, I I blame the amount of hair gel I used to wear on my hair for the fact I have none left. Mm. (laughs) Dude, that time period was the worst for that kind of shit. For that hair gel just caked on it was, it was like shiny and sticky and you couldn't brittle. run your fingers through someone's hair like it would just your hand would get literally stuck you'd have to get the fire brigade to take you out again <laughs> yeah. it's so true i had a similar period with the hair gel as well that's like uh i think like grade 12 for me no. it's probably the same i think <laughs> yeah mine was black lipstick i was obsessed Ooh. And you kind of had a mullet when my parents weren't around. You kind of had a mullet. I did kind of have a mullet yeah. for a little while. <laughs> I, I can bet it's a good look. It was like a grunger it mullet. Was, it was fun. She was wearing Nirvana shirts. Mm. Oh, <laughs> yes. Cool. Good times. Good times. Now, I know Cam hadn't seen it in the cinemas, but had you ever seen this film? No. I um, remember when it came out. I was a big Stallone fan when I was younger because of, you know, the, the Rocky series, the Rambo movies, Cliffhanger, mm-hmm. Demolition Man, all that sort of stuff. And I had sort of fallen out of love with Rodriguez just because he'd been doing Spy Kids movies, basically, and not the kind of stuff that I was that interested in. And I remember seeing Stallone in a commercial for Spy Kids 3 and just feeling sad for him because it was like, oh, like, this is not a good place for him career-wise. It's one thing to be cast as the villain of Spy Kids 1, but when you're showing up as the villain of Spy Kids 3, it's like, oh, poor guy, poor guy. I have a completely yeah. different take on Stallone in this film. What? Okay. I have to say, I'll, I'll save it for a bit, but I, I disagree. Okay. <laughs> I don't think uh, he would. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, it's about to go down here, y'all. I will just say, I think he had the acting challenge of his career. He had to act off of himself. Yeah. Great job. <laughs> well, well, yeah, okay. Um... <laughs> I, I'm going to save that. I, I kind of want to go, you know, tete-a-tete with you, but not just yet. Um, but Cam, for a guy that can't podcast, you sure can podcast. And I need to know how we got from one, two, and then three. Yes. So um, this was a very busy year for Rodriguez. This was the year he also wrote and directed Once Upon a Time in Mexico. So 2003, and I guess the tail end of 2002, very busy. And this originally was not going to be a Spy Kids film. That was not the intent. I have a quote for him. There was a great article in Indie London that did a long interview with Rodriguez about this movie. And you look up on the Wikipedia page, no one really 
has any production stuff on Spy Kids 3D, but Indie London was all over it. They were like, this is our beat, and we are going to cover the facts. So I have a quote from him. He says, In fact, I never really had an idea for a third one. This movie wasn't a Spy Kids movie originally. It was originally called Game Over and was about kids stuck in a game, and it was going to be a 3D movie because I wanted to do a science fiction film. That would have been a better movie than throwing it into the Spy Kids franchise, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't have felt as maybe jarring um, a transition. Yeah. uh, And he said that that changed during the writing process, and he just began to think, you know what? This could be a really good trilogy capper, a way to pay everything off and end the series. And even the studio, Dimension Films, were not expecting a Spy Kids 3D. They did not ask for one, and then they were kind of told, oh, I got a script for Spy Kids 3D. <laughs> they were like, once you get to Buscemi in the second one, you can't <laughs> go any higher. No. Yeah. It just shows you a different attitude, though, right? Like in 2003, they were like, oh, Spy Kids 3? I guess. Now they would be like, where is the next Spy Kids? Where is the next one? That's so true. We're so franchise focused now, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Well, we are getting another Spy Kids film. It's in the works. No. Hey, oh, hey, joy. don't write it off yet. You've still got to watch four. <laughs> oh, God. And the, uh, the 3D gimmick for the movie came from Rodriguez had very fond childhood memories of seeing a re-release of Vincent Price's House of Wax in 3D. And he really thought he could see beyond the gimmick. He wanted to make the 3D integral to the story and evoke a virtual reality state of mind. <laughs> what does that mean? Okay. <laughs> I see. I could see where he was going with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Scott is maybe the only one who can comment on that, having seen it in theaters. I mean, I hate 3D movies. Yeah. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I can't stand that gimmick. I hate that you have to pay extra for the glasses. Although you didn't with this. It came with the ticket. Mm-hmm. I will say. But now there's like, <laughs> we don't really have 3D movies here in England anymore. We've basically outlawed them. They're probably banned. There's probably a law against it. But I know Cam has to suffer it every single time he goes to see a Marvel film. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, so it's a North American thing by the sounds of it then. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we we definitely still have them. I don't think... I feel like it's not as common, but um, I definitely am in agreement with you, Scott. I absolutely hate 3D movies. And if you mean a headache. If the last... The last showing is the one... The only showing I can go to is a 3D. I'll just skip it because I, <laughs> I cannot... It gives me a headache... I don't like it. It's not fun for me. Like, <laughs> and they always make the movie look worse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There, there was a time where, like, in my house, there was uh, like four pairs of three D glasses hanging around that you've kept just in case you're going to a three D movie, and you can just take the glasses with you. Like, you kept these little plastic trinkets mm-hmm. in your house just to go to the cinema. Sod mm-hmm. that. <laughs> you were like that goon in Back to the Future Two, running around in three D glasses the whole time. Yes. I, I actually, funny story. I once, <laughs> I once thought I was really cool. I don't anymore. Uh-huh. Clearly, I do a podcast. Um, <laughs> and I, I went around London for a day in a pair of glass. I, I don't need to wear glasses. I have twenty twenty vision. All of my family don't wear glasses. We have good vision. The rest of me's falling apart, but the vision's good. And so I thought I wanted to look like someone who was wearing glasses. I, I wore like a button-up shirt. I thought it was really cool. So I popped out the lenses of a 3D pair of glasses and wore that. And I wasn't 16. I was in my late 20s. <laughs> no. 
I think I think Cam knew me at the time I did this, thinking I was the bee's knees. I was not the bee's knees. Looking back on those photos, it was not good. Actually, I was with my ex, so that's the timeline for you, Cam. Wow. Oh my god. Not go. the bee's knees nor the cat's pajamas. No, no. <laughs> no, no, no. So, but speaking of Spy Kids and bringing it back, I think that the 3D was implemented well. I think it was a film that was built up from the ground up to have 3D, whereas you, you see a lot of these films where they just sort of tag on 3D and it's like the odd scene, it feels silly. At least this film was built with the idea and had the concept of having 3D. So the scenes all felt like it actually had its place. There were shots that were designed to go like the hand reaching out. I did it on... We're, we're recording a podcast and I reached the hand to the camera that none of you can hear, <laughs> but you get what I mean. Yeah, yeah, totally. And so about 90% of this film was shot on green screens and the actors were the only real thing on set. Um, and they went you to... don't say. <laughs> I know. They went to a Quebec-based firm called Hybrid Technologies who developed new tech to increase the divide between the foreground and background. And I guess, once again, Scott's the only one that can comment on how successful they were because we all watched it in 2D on normal TVs. But uh, did it feel like radically different 3D you were seeing at the time? I wish I could tell you. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm 35 now. It was a long time ago. Yeah. He was in a goth new metal haze. Yeah, it's true. I, listening to Slipknot walking in, listening to, I don't know, Lincoln Park P-O-D. walking out. Yeah, okay. P.O.D. P-O-D. Yeah. That's the perfect accompaniment to Spy Kids 3D is uh, Boom by P.O.D. <laughs> you, That's a deep cut. You were one of the youth of the nation. <laughs> we are, we are. So I have another quote from Rodriguez here about just the process of making the movie. He says, so no props, no sets, very little direction. You just tried to get the right reaction. And I always shoot completely out of sync. So they had no idea what they were shooting until they got to the set. I called it the dream screen because it could be anything you wanted it to be. I would have hated that as an actor, honestly. I would have been like, I need direction, motherfucker. Like, no. I would, no. Mm -mm. No, thanks. That would have drove me crazy. It's interesting now that this is a thing they just have in TV. It's just a given. You look at some of the big shows now, they have these massive like dome sets that are, like projecting screens and stuff, that are immersive yeah, or, or virtual, domain, virtual reality stuff and green screens that are in everything now. Whereas this is, well, 2003. It's actually, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say revolutionary, but cutting edge, perhaps. Well, it definitely feels like his first testing of these waters before he does things like Sin City. I will say it's I I if I were to compare the show Once Upon a Time had way worse green screen bullshit than Spy Kids 3D. I will say that cuz I stopped watching the show Once Upon a Time because of the green screen atrocities. So <laughs> Yeah, it was I mean Now that is a feather in a cap. <laughs> <laughs> True. Now, we were talking about Stallone earlier. Um, So this is a real rough point in his career. He'd had a couple movies that had gone straight to video the year before. Movies like I See You, which is also known as Detox, and Avenging Angelo. I've watched both of these movies. They're horrifically bad. Um, He also did something called in 2003 called Shade the same year as this, which, like, no one has heard of these movies. So this was not a great point for him. It would be another three years before he'd rebound with Rocky Balboa in 2006. But apparently Stallone was there for the origins of the Spy Kids. He was at the party where Rodriguez pitched the concept of Spy Kids to Bob Weinstein. And Stallone overheard it. 
Really? That's fascinating. Very weird. That sounds like a made-up story. (laughs) (laughs) It does sort of, right? Yeah, I was in the room. It was on the internet, Scott. It has to be true. Yeah. It's Rodriguez telling the story. And there are hot babes in my area looking for me right now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was surprised at um, the amount of enunciation he had. I was like, I can understand you, Sylvester. Usually it's pretty garbled for me. I'm like, what? What was your (laughs) life? Well, it's like the Rocky thing. Yeah. It's weird when you watch the Rocky series, and he's, he's like that through Rockies 1 and 2, but you get to like 3 and 4, and suddenly he's like very articulate, and it's like yeah. weird. Maybe he got a voice coach or something. I think so. Mm. He had to have, because I was very impressed. I was like, oh, he's speaking English. I love it. <laughs> I was very excited. Yeah. <laughs> I really, I did also enjoy, and we don't have to talk about it right now, um, well, actually, I'll save that. I'll save it. Okay. Fine. Tease. <laughs> Suspense. Suspenseful. Mm. <laughs> now, Stallone was apparently very involved with the creation of his character's distinct personalities. He was very hands-on. I feel like they just pulled up, like, a wardrobe box and were like, figure it out. Uh, he si- uh, it's like one of those photo booths at weddings. And just, yes. He was pick playing a, dress pick up. a hat out and, uh, and an air guitar and, yeah, just go in the booth and figure it out. <laughs> Rodriguez said that he was really excited and having a ton of fun doing it. So, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe the, the creative process of no direction and just a green screen. Stallone was having the time of his life. The characters are pretty simplistic too, so I don't know whether to give him a pat on the back for that one or not. <laughs> is, this, is this Spy Kids in general you're talking about? Uh, well. The costumes are shaky. They're very shaky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It feels like an SNL sketch, that stuff. Mm-hmm. A bad one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A bad one. A really bad one. Like from the Elon Musk episode. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> so the movie had a budget of $38 million. Domestically, it did 112 International, 85.2. For a worldwide total of $197 million. And I have a fact I'd like to share with you. This was the most successful Spy Kids entry in the franchise at the box office. Really? Uh-huh. Yeah, the first one up. did 147.9, and the second one did 119.7. So this one was like $50 million more than the first one. To watch Junior? They really hyped up that 3D, yeah. that 3D element. I think every like kid wanted to see that in 3D and dragged their parents. Which is weird, because when we were talking about Spy Kids 2 recently, the money went down between films, wasn't it? Or the return Yeah, it went down overall? like $30 million-ish. Yeah. Wow. And we said it could have been because of how quickly they went. 2001, Spy Kids 1. 2002, Spy Kids 2. But the next year, this one comes out, and it basically near, near doubles the first one, at least. That's, uh, I think that doesn't means my logic doesn't really hold up, which isn't the first time. I think it was the 3D and that people felt like they had to see it in theaters. And I think we should all just take a moment of silence <laughs> for all the parents who took their kids to see Spy Kids 3D. <laughs> who probably watched it with no 3D glasses on and got cross-eyed because they ran out and they wanted to give the 3D glasses to the kid. And that's one of the things. I, I, I'll probably get into this later, but... The parents didn't mind the first two, I would say, because you had time with Antonio Banderas where you could stare at him. And you had time with Carla Gugino and you could stare at her. I mean, you could stare at Ricardo Montalban if you want to. But, um... Zaddy Montalban, yeah. Hey, it, <laughs> he, is, he is built from rich Corinthian leather. 
He that is. Man, <laughs> that man does not age. Those Cordobas, but, man. But uh, yeah, this one is is very low on the uh, old family front. Well, I will tell you, it was an it was an hour and seven minutes before Antonio Banderas's face graced my screen, and I was very livid. So <laughs> I was just looking at pictures of him on my phone whilst watching it, just to sort of get myself through it. Yeah, <laughs> fair. That that could have gone dark. We'll move on from there. <laughs> cut that! Cut that! Cut that! Cut that! Cut that! Cut that! <laughs> so this movie was number twenty three for the year between SWAT and Anger Management. So that's pretty good. You know, those are both hit movies. And the yeah. top three for the year: number one was Lord of the Rings: The Return of the King. Number two was Finding Nemo. Number three was The Matrix Reloaded. And a few other spy movies on the list. Number 12 was Charlie's Angels Full Throttle. Number 36, Johnny English. Number 55, The Recruit, the Colin Farrell Al Pacino film. Number 84, another family one, Agent Cody Banks. And number 125, The In-Laws remake that no one remembers. (laughs) I'm dead. Which is next week on Spy Hearts. (laughs) Right. We're coming back, guys. And a couple other notes just to wrap up the behind the scenes. Stallone won the Razzie for worst supporting actor for this performance. Mm-hmm. Um, for probably all char- every character, I would think. <laughs> no, I think it was for the guy in the mustache at the start that starts to fall off. Okay. Oh my god. Yeah. And uh, this marked the final on-screen appearance for Ricardo Montalban. And the first on-screen oh. appearance in a major motion picture for Selena Gomez. The passing of the baton in Spy Kids 3D. Mm-hmm. Where the hell is Selena Gomez in this film? At the very beginning. She's the little girl that Junie meets up at the abandoned park. I did not recognize her. Wow. I saw that and I was like, is that Selena Gomez? And I had to look it up, but I was like, oh my God, that's baby Selena Gomez. That was literally my first <laughs> note was baby Selena. <laughs> I was too busy making uh, Junie PI jokes in my notes. <laughs> Agua. That means water. <laughs> <laughs> my first note was a digital file by robert rodriguez <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. jesus christ oh man the 2000s early 2000s were such a wild time everyone was thinking we were going to be so futuristic and things we'd be driving cars flying them around that list of movies you were rattling off cam really triggered my nostalgia for a minute. <laughs> for other films. For other films, thank you. Exactly. Well, we've had our strength, our cool, our brains, and our intuition together. Now we can reach level five, and let's talk about it. 2022, Spy Kids 3D, guests first. I'm going to go to Aubrey. What do you think about Game Over? It was the worst movie in the world i hated it so much it was painful for me like most of my notes towards the end are what's happening what's happening what the fuck what's going on cheech (laughs) cheech marin but you know (laughs) it was just i don't want to watch junie spy kids okay I'm here for all the Spy Kids. Yeah. Not just Junie. And Junie kind of was boring. Just saying. Not a great lead for me. I, I think that's a fair thing to talk about. It, it, yeah. That lack of 
not just a lack of family, which I think is missing from the film, but the lack of the brother-sister dynamic. She just mm-hmm. magically appears at the end of the second act to get you to the end. But, I mean, was was Alexa Penn at Pena Vega not you know available for the filming? or She was busy selling her MLMs. She, she does that? Yeah, she's a huge MLM, like crazy. Like with, yeah, just look her up on Insta, guys. It's crazy. Okay, what's MLM? Multi-level marketing. Oh, and that's yes, basically a cult. It's a very <laughs> uniquely American thing <laughs> that has spread to other things. So, what exactly is it? It's like things. It's a like, pyramid. It's a pyramid scheme. scheme. Oh. oh, you can sell things from home, and you can do all these things, and it's yeah, like Herbalife, that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's essentially yeah. a company where the you have individual distributors who buy a product to then sell to other people, but really the only money you can make from it is by recruiting people to sell under you. So really it just funds the top down and they get around it in the U S because technically if you have a product, it's not a pyramid scheme, but it is. <laughs> That's why Lula Rowe has fallen from grace. Oh, wow. Is she trying to sell copies of her Island of lost dreams single? <laughs> Well, what about the single for this movie, Scott? Why not the Game Over single? There's the Game Over single? Yeah, it's the end credits. It's her song. Mate, I turned it off immediately when it ended. <laughs> I, I didn't even I didn't even watch really? the end credits. There was, like, there was material throughout those credits. We had bloopers. We had audition footage. We had all sorts of stuff. Really? I, I just I just left. I turned it off. <laughs> I turned it right off. I was like, okay, Richard Rodriguez. At the end, it's like the audition footage of the two kids back from when they did the original Spy Kids. Oh, wow. I kind of want to see that. Oh, that's cute. I'll have to... That might be the best part of the movie for me, then. <laughs> Scott and Karen and I were all just like, thank God it's over. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. See you later. I was I was going <sighs> to say, I don't know if this movie came out around this... I think it came out around the same time, but she was in a movie called Sleepover, and I wonder if maybe the filming schedules conflicted. Oh, I wonder if that's possible. Okay. It was a big. I it was. About it that. was supposed to be a big movie, but it was kind of a a real flop. Um, but it had a bunch of like. Um, wasn't it trying to be Steve like Carell a? Wasn't and, it trying to be like a Mean Girls? It had Jane Lynch in it. It was a little bit. I think it was before Mean Girls. Was it? Anyway, anyway, not to get us too off topic, but yeah, that was my speculation. We live in Tangentville. I'm, I'm going to take some of her power away. That film came out in 2004. Oh, oh, damn. Okay. She was really busy doing a cameo on the Bernie Mac show this year, so. <laughs> Fair. Aww. Really busy. <laughs> I didn't like that. I didn't like that we didn't have the brother-sister dynamic. I thought Junie was kind of not strong enough to hold my attention throughout the whole film. And I didn't think the kid actors that were in the game were that great either. You know, it just wasn't it did not hold my attention scott that that's improved thank you (laughs) i know i was so excited karen told me you were like yeah that's better i was like yes you were excited you stopped taking the the, the twang's gone and not from east london anymore it's more like just a (laughs) normal speaking voice yeah not uh, what is her name my fair lady i'm not my fair lady anymore eliza doolittle you know (laughs) eliza doolittle thank you all I want. Yeah, that's gone. <laughs> chim chimney, chim chim chimney. <laughs> that's my alarm. Uh, that's really? a, that's oh a my British God. thing, anyway. Um, okay, well, 
We'll come back to the lack of uh, brother-sister thing. It's definitely a problem in this film. Karen, what do you think? Um, I really... <laughs> it, it threw me back because this is peak early 2000s video game hysteria. Like, this was, you know, right after... Not to bring it down, but it's right after Columbine and people were blaming video games for all sorts of things. And my parents wouldn't let me play video games for a lot of those reasons. Maybe that's why they didn't want me to watch this movie. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but it just really, it threw me back because I was like, man, we used to really just blame, like, we, we thought that kids playing video games was going to ruin society. <laughs> and I really wonder what the people, I, I, don't, I don't know if that was the intention with this film. It just, a little, it, sometimes it felt that way, or maybe they were sort of poking fun at it. Um, I wonder what those people think of like VR and Oculus now, <laughs> but it, it touched the gamer in me. Cause I was like, I was like, huh, that's, that's we really did used to just think that kids are all going to grow up to like either never do anything with their lives or, um, you know, become terrible people because they played video games. And the joke was on us because now it's like a huge subculture, you know, um, but I don't know. That was kind of my my first take on it. Um, uh, I think I probably have some other notes, but that's that's like my initial. That, that was kind of the the throwback for me. It's funny because you say that they thought you know we wouldn't do anything with our lives or we'd be weirdos, and look at us now. We're podcasting about Spy Kids 3D. Yeah, yeah, you know, we've made it. we we really showed we them. Made it. We... we made it, guys. <laughs> Eat that, parents. <laughs> Cameroni, what about you? Yeah, uh, that's actually my parents did call me that when I was a little kid. Um, so, yeah. I didn't know yes. that. I, I legit didn't know that, guys. That's, uh... Yeah, and so a little kid story, actually. I remember when I was probably seven, maybe eight, and my dad took me to see a movie called Spaced Invaders. I don't know if anyone remembers this movie, but it was about these like aliens that came to Earth. And it was like, just like the worst type of child's movie you could crank out in the 80s that parents <laughs> would be forced to sit through. And my dad, not only watched it with me, you know, he didn't sit at home and watch it. We went to the theater to see this. And I am sure that his experience watching Spaced Invaders, which I believe has an 8% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, I am sure the experience <laughs> of watching that film is what I felt watching Spy Kids 3D this morning. Where... <laughs> I talked about the first couple Spy Kids movies. I'm not in love with them. I didn't grow up with them. But, like, I can see the charm of them. They have a, you know, positive family message. There's fun things for adults here and there. Colorful performances. Actors kind of being silly. I get it. But, like, this one felt like this is just aimed entirely at small children. The hell with anyone else. Yeah. Because, like, there was just nothing to hook on to. The first two had pretty well-baked in themes fairly very simple for a kid to understand but like this one i was confused what the theme even was people would throw out these messages of like everyone's family and i'd be like okay but then what? at the end they say something like it's not how you play the game or whatever it's, it's like what <laughs> like i don't understand what the message of this movie is it just really is a wall-to-wall -wall effects reel and like i've seen things like this that are like where it's just kind of like this type of cg footage but it's like 10 minutes or something you would used to see these sorts of things where you put on 3d glasses watch like a 10 minute display and be like wow that was kind of interesting or also there'd be early vr i remember i used to go to this arcade called i think it was called palladium 
where they had standard arcade games, but also VR games. And I'm talking VR in the year 2000, where it was yes. like where you would like plug in to go virtual hang gliding, and it looked like what's in this movie. So I hated those games then, and I hated revisiting them now. So I did not enjoy Spy Kids 3D. It doesn't even feel on anywhere near the same level of the first two from an imagination standpoint, from a writing standpoint, from an acting standpoint. It really does mm -hmm. feel like actors on a green screen. And Rodriguez, I'm sure he had fun doing the visual designs, but in terms of the concepts of the movie, it's pretty, pretty thin. It doesn't even really seem to understand video games in the way that going forward movies like Jumanji or Ready Player One or Free Guy would. I yeah. I would also tend to agree because I I think I wrote myself a note. Um, the the first ten minutes is actors spewing exposition, and then ten minutes in, the hero's journey has begun, and it's like you know that the plot was not important to them when you have an intro like that in the first ten minutes. I mean, it's only an eighty minute movie, but <laughs> you know, it's just it didn't. It's a paper thin kind of. Uh, you know, there's a, a message. There there was a message, I guess. I'm not really sure what it was. <laughs> the best part was Elijah Wood. That was my favorite part of the movie. Yeah, that was like a fun reveal. It was when he died. That was your favorite part? No, just when he died, really. That was the best <laughs> oh, part. Oh, sure. But yeah. I, it kind of looked like they <laughs> cropped his head from Sin City and just put it on that suit. And then, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But it was a Sin City joke. It's, but... it's interesting because... I, I, what cat? What you've all said is is basically what's in in my notes too. It just feels like, and it makes sense you saying that Rodriguez wasn't looking to do a third one, and it just evolved into it because mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like it has a concept behind it apart from "Hey, let's have some three D." There's no heart. There's no soul. You know what made the first two films work? They didn't work for Cam, but they worked for a lot of people. Is the dynamic between the brother and sister, the family dynamic. The spy jinx, as it were, and just that sort of fun sense of adventure. Now, maybe it's got the adventure, but it hasn't got the other three. Yeah, for a spy movie, there wasn't a whole lot of spying going on. It feels like it Not felt a like fan. a cash grab to me. <laughs> I mean, I guess it is sort of a spy thing in that he's recruited by, you know, OSS again and sent in yeah. on a mission. It's sort of just you're going on a dangerous mission, but. Yeah, not a lot of spycraft going on. It's Once you're in there, it's really video game stuff. Oh, we've jumped through more hoops to justify having a spy film on the show. I, I don't mind talking oh, yeah, about yeah. it. It's, it's in the title. It's a Spy Kids film, so we've got to talk yeah, about it. But of course. It, it does feel devoid of anything related to it being a spy film at this point. Two, you could hang your hat on some bits and bobs. Three, it's gone, which is fine. But if you lose the, the heart, which I think is the family and, and the brother and sister... Because I said the second one stepped away from the, the, the sort of infighting that I really liked in the first one. Whereas this, you don't even have time for the infighting because she's barely ever there. Yeah. And I, I think that really hurts the film. I, I have nothing against Daryl Sabara. I think he's, he's just fine in the film. But I think, I mean, there's a plural in the title. It's Spy Kids. Yeah. This is a spy kid. I mean, I... He only he did as good as he could with the script that he was given. You know, that's Spy Kid awful. and and some beta testers. <laughs> right. I guess Gertie uh, Gertie Giggles has something to do, I guess. Something. <laughs> Don't forget the developers. <laughs> oh, my. oh my god. Well, um 
let's before we maybe trash it a bit more let's let's be positive for a bit i want to hear some likes even if it's just one karen i'll ask you first give me something you liked about this film um well i did really i kind of would agree with you about how it does feel like a movie that was made for 3d instead of just sort of shoehorning it in there to get audience and get butts and seats there were even though i wasn't watching it in 3d uh, there were a lot of moments where I was like, that would have been really cool. I bet that was really cool in 3D. You know, if I was a kid watching this with 3D glasses on, you know, that that would have felt really real to me. So the, the attention and care that they put into those elements was well done, I think. Um, I'm trying to remember if um, I had anything else. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's that's fine. That's, that's a good one. And I, I would definitely agree. It's, I mean, it doesn't hold up now. It doesn't. This all looks no. bad on a 2D television. Sure. But that's that's just how that era seemed to work. We we spoke about Triple X recently. Mm. And that film has that new metal soundtrack that when you yes. listen to it, you are transported back to 2001 <laughs> or two, I think, off the top of my head. And But it's, it's exactly, it's like a pin in that exact year when it came out. And this is exactly the same thing. It's exactly a 2003 movie. It's hard to watch now, but I bet at the time, and I was there, I bet if you guys all watched it in the cinema at the time, you would probably be slightly further up on it than you are down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. Cam does not like this film. I'm getting the feeling. Hmm. I want to hear his like, but uh, Aubrey, go on. Have you got one for us? I liked the casting. Like, I liked that you could see Rin. Wow. Like, I love that Steve Buscemi <laughs> was in it. And I also know that he kept Sporky the pig after shooting, which was really cute. So I really <laughs> liked seeing Steve Buscemi. Honestly, that might have been the best part. Besides Elijah Wood, because that made me laugh. Um, I have one dislike that's kind of been confusing. Save it. Me. Save ah! it. Like Okay. Save it. Okay. I will come back to you. I want happiness okay. right now. Okay, that's despair. all I got. That's all okay. I got. Not despair. We are, we're struggling for likes here, guys. Come on, Cam. Can you save uh. us? Uh, I kind of. Um, what I do appreciate about this movie is that when Rodriguez went to make these Spy Kids movies, he really shook it up every movie. He was like, okay, the first one I want to do kind of my homage to like Bond stuff. The second one I want to do Harryhausen adventure films. And this one he was like, okay, I want to do video game stuff, kind of like Tron or something like that. I'm sure there's movies that influenced him in that regard. So like a lot of filmmakers rest on their laurels and they're like, I ah, just repeat the same thing again. Who cares? It's a kid's movie. It does feel like while I don't like what the end result of this was, it felt like every time he was trying to give kids a new experience. So I do give him credit for that. Yeah, yeah, I, I get think that. that's that's entirely fair. It, it, I didn't expect it when I saw it in the cinema. I didn't expect this from a Spy Kids film, so I guess it keeps you guessing. Uh, and for those that are following along with us and watching it for the first time, I, I guess you can say that. I mean, a lot of people will be asking us if they can get refunds from Amazon Prime after renting sure. this film to watch it with <laughs> us. But sorry, guys, no refunds. I also thought, like Ricardo Montalban, the character stuff with him is pretty wobbly but um there's like a moment where you know a lot of the but messages cam, cam, that... cam. he has a superior intellect <laughs> and then it says like con physically disabled i was like what? <laughs> I... 
I said, what? Is that what it says about me, Karen? No. Is that what I, I sent her I sent her a message when I watched that scene and I was like, okay, ableist robot. Yeah. <laughs> and the first thing that happens when he gets to the virtual world is he gets his legs back. So yeah. no time for people in wheelchairs in this film. But there is like a positive sort of resolution to it where he talks about what he's gained through this experience of, in this case, being losing his legs because of an encounter with the Stallone character and how much it's given him and how he does still feel so strong internally. Like, we know what Montalban went through in his real life where he was like badly injured. And so I think there is kind of a touching message there. So I did walk away, not so much to do with the character of Grandpa, but just in terms of Montalban as a performer, I felt a certain amount of emotion there. Yeah. I, I would agree. I, he was actually the the one I was going to mention in terms of my likes was just having more time with Grandpa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always good to see. Uh, he Khan. was savage. He was savage. He didn't give up. <laughs> he really didn't because he was willing to give up his wife to stay in that video game world. <laughs> He frequently abandoned Junie like, eh. and just ran off and chased the butterfly. <laughs> he yeah. ran off to chase Chekhov's butterfly on the moon. I feel like that's a Khan reference. He heard somebody shouting Khan from the distance. <laughs> yeah. he had to check it out. I, I had two <laughs> likes. The first one was just kind of the the spectacle towards the end. Now, the, the, the wrap-up is questionable. How they finish the film is definitely questionable. But seeing yeah. that big battle, uh, it's kind of like the Avengers Endgame of Spy Kids films. They, they definitely invented that whole thing, you know, with the, on your left and the portal opening and Steve Buscemi walking out, <laughs> uh, which is a, a, a video I'll have to try and make. It was fun <laughs> in concept. Like, I did like seeing all those actors swoop in and give a funny yeah. catchphrase. But then, like, they don't really do anything because the budget ran out. So <laughs> yeah. any action is just absent, uh, except for like a scene that I really laughed at of Antonio Benders flailing in the air. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like like Danny Trejo and Cheech Marin turn up and then do nothing in the fight. Yeah, yeah. Machete's there yeah. and he's like, nope, nothing. Okay. But Bill Paxton's going to lasso a guy. Yeah, Minion <laughs> and Floop don't do anything interesting. No. Nope. But I guess kids don't really care. It's like, hey, it's the guy from that film. Hey, it's the guy from the last film. I think I would have cared. It's so sour. That's right. I would hope that they would grow up and be like, and see Steve Buscemi in something else and be like, oh, that's the guy from Spy Kids. <laughs> that <laughs> happens. <laughs> I loved him in Spy Kids. Yeah, well, he was great in Spy Kids too. We were talking about... Um, Goodwill Hunting on, on a Patreon episode recently. Mm. And my first experience with that film was seeing the sequel in Jay and Silent Bob. So I, I don't think anyone else has seen that film, but like Goodwill Hunting 2 Hunting Season is inside of a film. <laughs> and that was my only experience with Goodwill Hunting for about 10 years. So yes, you, you do sometimes see things before you should. Uh, yeah, I don't think it should be your introduction to Steve Buscemi, but it's a great one. <laughs> and I will come back to a point I put a pin in earlier. And I'm talking about Sylvester Stallone in my likes. Mm -hmm. I like that he is chewing the digital scenery in this film. He is acting off of himself times three. He's he's not holding back. He's just saying, hey, let's just do it, man. Let's just go for it. It's a kid's film. Let's leave an impression. And we lamented the lack of an actual villain in the second one. This film has a villain. Its wrap-up is weird, but 
I like, I like what he's doing during the film. He just kind of gives up and you know, hugs everyone. But otherwise, yeah. <laughs> it, it, I do go back to Cam, he said earlier, with like they ran out of money because they're like, I guess we can't film this climax. So everyone just goes, oh, I guess I was wrong. <laughs> we could only afford all of these people for two minutes each. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Is anyone going to go with me on, St- on, on Celestis alone or am I alone in liking his performance? I just like that I could understand him. I was just kind of meh about it. I did like the the other three um, troublemakers. I thought that was that bit was kind of funny. Um, but I I was eh. just kind of you might be alone, Scott. <laughs> I like Not the first time. <laughs> I, I do like you know I, I've watched I think almost every Stallone movie out there, and I do enjoy seeing him try something different. But I really do wonder what happens if he's doing this sort of thing with a director that's actually giving him direction and not just kind of hanging him out to dry. Because it felt like an actor just kind of floundering in front of a green screen a lot to me. And like, he's committing, he seems enthusiastic, he's putting on silly outfits, and it's like, his dialogue sucks, and it's just kind of like, it really feels like it's too leisurely directed. Like, I just wish someone had helped guide something out of this because if he's that committed i think you could have gotten something really cool like what happens if robert zemeckis is like guiding stallone through a multi-character type of movie maybe you get something a little more impressive yeah perhaps i'm all alone there's no one here beside me (laughs) and i want to acknowledge as well i just uh, referred to robert zemeckis as well as the start of this movie it looks like toontown when uh, junie lands in and we did an episode with chicklet on Who Framed Roger Rabbit. So there's connections here, people. It's true. true. Full circle. Bring it all back around. It's all back to Husky mm-hmm. Hoskins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, I wish I could make that noise. I've never been able to do that. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Agents, pardon the interruption, but we have some top secret intel. That's right. Independent podcasting is not cheap. Equipment, hosting, research... We don't have Townsend Agency resources. And also, we don't want to run ads on the show. No one wants to hear that shit, tucky mushrooms. And this is a big reason we created the Spy Hearts Patreon. So we're here asking for your help. Please consider joining the Patreon. You'll not only be gaining access to our exclusive lineup of reviews and film commentaries, but also helping support the show. We're currently saving to upgrade our sound equipment to bring your listening experience up to Q-Branch standards with a wide range of flexible options and an ever-growing catalogue to dive into. Become a true spy hard today and enter the Xander Zone at patreon.com slash spyhard. That's S-P-Y-H-A-R-D-S, or you can find a link in the show notes below. Now, Cam, on with the spy jinx. Well, I think you guys want to talk about dislikes. I'm getting that vibe from all of you. (laughs) I just have a question about the plot. Yep, yeah, okay. I'm, let's do it. Let's I do was it. confused because when the when Selma Hayek and Mike Judge are telling the Junie about what's going on and how he has to go save his sister, they're like, "Oh yeah, uh, why did we throw that guy in the cyberspace? What? Why did we get rid of the toy maker? Oh, we don't remember. Whatever." And I was like, "Wait, you don't even care about wait you just throw people into prison and then forget about it and then at the end it turned he's like oh it's because you paralyzed me don't you think they would have remembered that he's the reason that why did we put magneto in a plastic prison again i don't remember 
Uh, I was just like, what's, I don't know if that was like on purpose or I was just confused by that. I think this goes back to Cam's point and the notes in the production notes about it not being a Spy Kids script and it just being more about a technical display at one point. It it just wasn't fleshed out. They would yeah. just you know, throw off lines and you'd have to be like, okay. I didn't understand it because he's in this prison, I guess, and has created this game. But like, I don't understand how he's also running like stores where he's selling the game to kids. <laughs> right! And also, right. where was his physical body stored? Because everyone that went into the game had like to leave their body somewhere. But you never see where Sly is being kept. Or the toy maker. Is he like working retail, selling copies of the game? <laughs> he's being like fully controlled. <laughs> he's busy making more Sylvester's to clones. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> Someone's been saving that one for a few oh, days. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's a clip. I love it. Yay! I I also don't understand within the world of this movie, like, you can tell that Robert Rodriguez put a lot of imagination into just the designs of the various elements, but, like, why does every banner look like garbage? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's true. True. Oh my god. It looks like they paid $5 to just get text put on a plain <laughs> banner. And it's like, there's that video game event where the kids are all lined up, although it's like eight kids on an empty street <laughs> lined up to get a game. And there's like this plain banner. And then later at the end of the movie, where it's like the Spy Kids Awards or whatever, the Spy Awards, that whatever, the Gary Giggles or whatever walks away from. Again, plain banner hanging in the background. The banner budget must have been very thin on this one. <laughs> Yep, yep. They spent it all on the talent and a little bit on the green screen. <laughs> they couldn't afford Party City. Yeah. <laughs> there was, I kind of on, back to the, the effects portion of it, unless you want to save that because it's a whole other thing. Um, <laughs> there is a point after they come out of the lava when they're about to walk through the door where I can literally see the green screen line reflected on whatever they're wearing. Like, oh, oh yeah. There's a, there's a moment where Junie's walking <laughs> on that sky platform. Yeah. And he steps off of it <laughs> to walk out of shot. Like, he, he's walking on air. Right. Um, yeah, th there's a few of those little, uh, little problems. It's just, I guess it just really was jarring for me. I mean, it, you know, it's not. I guess it shouldn't be. Did it take you out of the story, Karen? It took me out of the story! <laughs> it pushed it too far. It pushed it too far. <laughs> I draw the line at green screen. At green draw screen reflections. <laughs> Rodriguez is starting to remind me of Ed Wood. Yeah. No. <laughs> like, just like, you know, you see like that set and the, the thing falls down and he's like, yep, we got it. Print. It's great. Move on to the next scene. Whereas like, I, I just see Daryl Sabara just be like, hey, I, I definitely stepped off of the platform. He's like, no, 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 no. We'll, nope. we'll fix it in post. Don't worry about it. Moving on. <laughs> next. I, I, I think it's a little bit when you give Rodriguez, um, you know, his own movies that he's just shooting all himself. It's like he just wants to keep going. It's all about speed. It's how fast can I can make these movies. Whereas, like, when he does something where it has, like, studio oversight, his work is actually really strong. Like, you'll see well-directed action sequences and some pretty strong visuals. I think it's just because he likes to work fast and loose, kind of like he did with El Mariachi. And when you're dealing with, like, effects stuff like this, that doesn't really work. And, yeah. I mean, the story is kind of the same where it is just kind of, like, 
threading things together very loosely. My friend Tony, who I did the Arnie Geddon uh, Schwarzenegger podcast with, he would refer the, to this movie as a and then movie. Because the whole script is, and then this happens, and then this, and then this, and then this. Like, there's no flow to it. There's no building. It's just thing after thing after thing until finally the movie runs out of gas and the credits roll. Yeah, there's no this happens and therefore this happens. It's all just sequential events that have nothing to do with each other. Yeah. Do you think it's because he was putting all of his focus or most of his focus into Once Upon a Time in Mexico? Because he was filming that while he was writing and working on Spy Kids 3. And he was like, eh, this fucking kid's movie, whatever. You know, I don't know. Maybe he was more focused on that. It's possible. It just It would just seem like a shame that he would have that low an interest in doing it when he was so passionate about the first two and we were so complimentary of his directing in the first two but this one just seems like a complete call-in job mm-hmm. i wonder too like i mean once upon a time in mexico wasn't great either and i just wonder if he was stretched too thin yeah yeah well i mean we we haven't really mentioned it on the episode just yet but you know later this week we're talking to alison baker who was the assistant to robert rodriguez during the production of uh one two and three Uh, And also worked on, like, the background marketing on the film, all sorts of stuff. She's done tons of jobs. But she mentioned that he hurt his back during production of these films. And he was, you know, he wasn't doing particularly well. He had a lot of trouble for a couple of weeks just getting out of bed. Yeah, he was was rough. And, uh, I mean, films aren't filmed over uh, a shot over two weeks. There's plenty of time and they can do reshoots, etc., etc. But if he's pumping out two major blockbuster films in one year, and you've got injuries. I mean, your your focus perhaps isn't quite yeah. there. Also, father of, I think, three or four kids, you know, married. Like, that's being pulled in a lot of different directions, right? Yeah. And I mean, I can the barely reason... manage one dog. <laughs> yeah. Well, the reason Antonio wasn't, they had to cut down the family and stuff in the movie was because he was doing that movie, Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And he just didn't have the time. So they were like, well, fuck it. Let's cut the family. It's all about Junie. Let's go. (laughs) And I'd commented that, you know, Salma Hayek, it was a surprise she wasn't in the first or the second movie, but she's probably in this one because she was also doing Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Mm. That's what I thought. It does feel like he just called him over from the set, like, hey, can you come just do this? A couple shots over here. Stand in front of the screen and don't move too much. (laughs) (laughs) Did did anyone get like, (laughs) anyone get like a... A weird dominatrix vibe from her and Mike Judge in the beginning. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, I did. Don't, don't I like, kink shame. Don't spicy. Kink shame. There's nothing weird about it. Not weird. It's not weird. It's nah. not weird. We're kink wowing. No, it's but yeah, she's definitely got that like whipped him into shape and yeah, whipped him good. I think it was out of place. It felt out of place in a kids movie, but <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what I meant by weird. Scott just stares wistfully off into space. <laughs> I don't I don't find that weird. I just... <laughs> Sorry, I, I sat my hike in Dominatrix and I got lost. Where are my notes? Yeah. Where am I? <laughs> Who am I? Mike Judge. <laughs> well, I wish. What? First Husky Hoskins, now Salma. Mm-mm-mm. Okay, <laughs> we need some more dislikes. Uh, let's just talk about the video game sequences because, sure. like... I, I'm okay with how playful and colorful and silly they are. Like, that makes sense. But, like, the rules of the games are just really confusing to me. I mean, I don't understand the life meters that they're wearing, where it's like, <laughs> you're sometimes just, like, drained of five lives at, when you fall down. I'm like, 
Okay. Or 99. Yeah. Like, <laughs> is this Dark Souls? The whole Demetra <laughs> thing, when she sacrifices herself, how come she had like one hit and then she was down for the count and gone? Like, it made no sense. I was like, yeah, take out the only girl since Karma's not here. Thanks. Whatever. I, I know. I, it kind of just felt like, I don't know, a squid game for kids at some points. Like, I was like, are they just <laughs> supposed to kill each other? Like, I don't. <laughs> That's a different film that I would have watched. <laughs> and just watching things like the Pogo Toads and whatever. Like, there's a number of sequences like that where I was just like, this is brutal to watch. Like, this mm -hmm. is that demo reel of the era that I cannot watch. Like, it does not hold my attention for a second. And, like, there's a chase sequence, too, that's a little more elaborate on, like, you know, cartoon motorcycles. And, like, it really feels like a beta version of what you'd see in, like, Ready Player One, you know, a decade plus later. Um, I, I thought the punch on the bike was, like, a total Rocket League move. I was like, okay. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the lava scene gave me spawn vibes a little bit. <laughs> oh, you mean 1997 spawn? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. With right. John Leguizamo. <laughs> yep. And the other pe I'm just kidding. And the um, other people. <laughs> <laughs> John Leguizamo was all that mattered. Then. <laughs> For those that don't remember, uh, Spawn was a 97 uh, superhero movie that, like, at the time, people were like, this is the dawn of the CG blockbuster. Look at his cape. It is CG. The villains, Violator, the big monster, it's CG. And if you watch that movie now, you will want to rip your eyes out of their sockets. It's, it's so unwatchable. unwatchable. <laughs> I would argue, though, that the story and the plot and the writing, better than this movie. <laughs> yeah? I mean... It's a low bar. It's a low, low bar. <laughs> is, is watching Spawn like watching Reboot? Like, is it that? Oh, oh. the reboot! Sorry, well, this is kind of like reboot. I, I wrote that like down. It, was... it, it reminded me. Yeah. Oh my god! You guys just blew my freaking mind. It Welcome is to a the mid nineties. Like reboot. reboot, everyone. Whoa! <laughs> the thing about reboot, though, is it's an entirely CG world and characters, so it it doesn't jar you at all to watch it, even if it does look a little dated now. But this movie, when I'm watching humans interact with these environments, it does look really weird. Like there's that chase I mentioned where Junie's being dragged behind the bike. I am clearly watching a kid laying on a green screen. <laughs> <laughs> there's a bit where I think actually you mentioned the, uh, the robo toads that we spoke about earlier mm -hmm. and he's hanging yeah. off and it just like, it feels like he's, they've got like a, a PNG file of just him and they're just dragging it with a cursor as he's like, <laughs> And then he falls off and just pulls it off the screen. Like, whoop! There he goes. I really like the wide shots where the um, it's not quite wide enough that they're all CG, but they the suits are CG and they just kind of have like floating heads like on top of the suits. That they're in. Yeah, especially um, Ricardo Montalban. That's cool. oh, oh yeah, that that oh, yeah. looks bad. That looks bad. Karen said I needed that mecha suit. She said I needed that. <laughs> she does. She gets you in that. Get them robo legs. No, mega, mega legs. Yeah. Mega, legs. mega legs. Yeah, I need mega I've, legs. I've already got mega legs, ladies. <laughs> I've <been> told. <laughs> oh um, I want to talk about the exceedingly weird love story. Yeah. Oh, I have, I have uh, stuff to say. Do, do say go, your piece. Go. No, 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 no. I, I want to talk about it. So let's all talk about it. Go, Karen. Go. So I one it. 
the sort of uh, it was pretty obvious from the beginning that she was part of the game and trying to keep them down or whatever she was trying to do. I don't know. Then she sacrifices herself. It was really weird. And I just you're talking about sort of the sibling bickering being a big part of the other two. Um, and it was like, I really did not like that they had the whole I'm the, I'm his girlfriend. I'm his sister. And it's like, do we have to have the only two like kind of major female kid characters get in a fight over a boy who's not even his her boyfriend and man had then... that been my brother i would have been like you can have him bye <laughs> <laughs> it just it felt a little i was like well it's 2003 you know why yeah. are we promoting this this type of you know cat fighting in a kids movie but whatever you know you have to remember it's of the time it's miramax and it's it was miramax. 2003 <laughs> It was really weird how Carmen just came in, like, so strong right off the bat. Like, Guns hey, I'm his sister. Like, <laughs> wow. Jeez. <laughs> Didn't know that you had a claim over him in that way, but yeah, okay. Whoa, take a chill pill. I, I'm not going to stand up for that, but I will just point out that in the second film, Junie did get up in Carmen's business when she was potentially dating the Giggles mm. boy. Which is also a little... quite defensive of her. <laughs> uh, I, younger brothers, older sisters, I can kind of get that. And I I understand her being defensive and like, who the hell is this chick? Sure. But she's, she's very like, straight to it. And, but also the main problem is the only two female characters, apart from Salma Hayek, I suppose, uh, are arguing with each other. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I think I understand the choice because if we're to believe everything, because she's a brilliant hacker, even though everything she did was ride a motorcycle through the desert. Um, is that she already knows that this, you know, she's AI and she's bad news. So she's trying to, you know, keep him away. But it also, it just came off. I was like a little put off by that. I was like, well, you know, we could have handled that better maybe. But it's whatever. I'm going to give it a pass because it's 2003. It doesn't pass the Bechdel test, does it? It does can? not pass the Bechdel test. <laughs> I wonder if any Spy Kids film has. Ooh, that would be a good. Mm. I mean, we could check the Bechdel cast and see if they've done it. It felt like a very thin concept, though, of her being this, like, computer character. It's Ugh. just done as a reveal, but I never felt anything in the character whatsoever the whole movie. So it was like, okay. And kid performances are tough. And I always, you know, they always say, like, one of the ways to judge child performances is, like, um, if they're really great, it shows that, like, a director really knew how to get the kids through the scenes. And also the adult actors are working opposite. Now, in this case, there's no adult uh, actors opposite these kids for the most part. And so it really does rely on Rodriguez to coach these kids through these scenes. And I think he does a good job in the first Spy Kids movie doing that. Pretty good on the second. This one, it feels like he was just kind of lost. And you're having this, you know, this young actress have to go through this experience of playing this AI bot that maybe has feelings for Junie and all that. And it's like the performance is just falling flat. And how much of that is just, as he said, like giving next to no direction. Yeah. I did, the one moment that I liked from her was um, when he says she's my girlfriend, even though he has no reason to say that. I didn't buy that at all. And then she kind of has that moment of realization where her AI brain takes over and says, yes, I'm his girlfriend. I thought that was a nice moment. I should have put that on my likes, but I forgot because there were so many dislikes. <laughs> it's never too late. It's never too, <laughs> never late. Never too late to come back. Um, shout them out. Any more dislikes? I want to hear them. Mm, let's see. 
I didn't like the cool guy. The cool guy. Uh, is it Francis? Or was it Arnold? Was it Rez? I don't know. Rez. I... Fuck Rez. I'm Rez. I'm so cool. You think you're the guy? Shut up. Get out of my face. Goodbye. I hated him so much. I could have done without him. For real. He, he was meant to be quite punchable. And I got that. Yes! Yes! I got that. I, uh, he, he was definitely the, uh, the Gary Giggles of Spy Kids 3. But... Um, <laughs> I didn't understand the need for those adjunct characters to just follow them around and then disappeared. They're like, yeah, they created a whole generation of speed runners. <laughs> <laughs> the, you know, the economy of characters rule. It's like, why are there three of them? They don't really add that much. Why not just have the one character in this case, like Arnold, who wants to win the game to, you know, get his family out of poverty. That's a compelling reason for this character to be there and to compete against Junie throughout the movie. What are the other two even doing? I have no idea. They should have just combined them into one character. It doesn't make any sense. I agree. Cam, you mentioned um, Ready Player One earlier. Yeah. Now that's based on a book, I believe. Yeah. Was that book written before this film? No, I don't think so. I'd be shocked. <laughs> the research team is on it yeah scott puts the pen to his mouth and is like hmm i'll look into this I, I i would be shocked if it was written in 2003 but um yeah like i didn't understand the whole extra kids thing because they've done well with kid performers in the past and again like this group was pretty rough pretty rough it was rough yeah it it felt like a really bad like disney channel show when they were acting rather than a movie that i'm watching what you got scott i can confirm hot off the presses the book was written in 2011 there ah. you go mm, but yeah. it has the whole protagonist trying to earn beat the game to earn the riches to bring his you know family out of poverty as well so i guess they were riffing yeah. off of spike his 3d <laughs> that's exactly what it was i'm sure something i didn't care for and i think was really underexplored was when we first were introduced to Junie in this movie, he's a private eye, he's got this hard-boiled vo uh, voiceover that like could have been kind of fun, but it was more obnoxious and annoying than anything. Um, the gumshoe like, line was quite the funny. The literal gumshoe. That was good. That was funny. <laughs> and also just like the water park is closed because the owners you know, just closed it down for now. Uh, that was pretty good. But <laughs> he got um, paid for that. Uh, sure. We're um, in the wrong line but... of work. <laughs> he has like lines where he says like he hasn't seen his sister since like christmas or something and i'm like this kid is like eight years old like where are his parents where is his sister why has he been abandoned to be a gumshoe where's his mother what i i what i don't understand i mean at least we see antonio banderas is like doing some sort of sciencey thing and then gets called to action at the end of the movie but we don't even see what mama joe was doing we we don't even see nothing nothing like what he's a child that's i don't understand which cps because again be it's called cps because again it's like uh, they just didn't involve the family i don't know if it was for budgetary reasons or because they just had this whole other concept they were going for does he have his own apartment like does he pay rent <laughs> well he's living in What's... the treehouse outside of their house Who's oh. feeding this child? Well, who's feeding him? Well, they've got the like the freeze-dried McDonald's stuff they've been using. Oh my god. Inside the spike wave. The spike. Oh god. <laughs> Stop trying to make that happen, Scott. I will make that happen. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not going to happen. <laughs> is this kid going to school? No. 
probably spy school. <laughs> no, he's probably not. I don't know. <laughs> well, he, he's he's a he was a full agent at the end of, of the second film. Right. He he graduated so? spy academy. So. <laughs> I, I I'm not trying to tell you why. And was it explained? I know you guys have seen the second one way more recently than myself. Was it? Ex- what was the dissonance in him leaving the OSS? Like, was that a thing that happened at the end of movie two? Or is that just like random movie three? Well, they they do set it up. They, there is foreshadowing in two where he says, oh, this would make a good place to be a private detective. I'm mm-hmm. going to become a private detective. And he's walking around the treehouse. So like they okay. do kind of set that up. But, okay. Like, I don't, the OSS don't really betray them in the second one. If anything, they betray them in the first one. Yeah. It uh, yeah, it just felt really weird like all of a sudden cuz I was like I didn't remember anything happening that was like yeah, he was like yeah, I'm on my own now. I was like what the hell happened, Judy? <laughs> What's going on? Oh, no, no, no. They were fired. Was that I it? Now. I was they were say... fired in the second one. They were fired and they had okay. to hack their way back into the OSS to try and save their uh the transmuter. No. Oh, the transmooker. Yeah, they had to go to the island to get the transmooker. I, I'm a 35-year-old man saying transmooker too many times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. I was going to say, because he, he does make reference to it at the beginning, because I remember being like, he was disavowed by this agency. Like, I don't know. Like, what, what is going on? But then yeah. when, like, George Clooney pops up to bring him back, he's like, you're never out. You're coming back in, which... Leads me to believe that Junie, like, didn't want to be a member of the OSS. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it sounded like to me. It it sounded like he was, like, over it, didn't want anything to do with it. And like you said, George Clooney was like, oh, well, I'm the president, so screw you. (laughs) Well, I I suppose I could get why a a soon-to-be teenage prepubescent boy would not necessarily want to do what their parents does. Yeah, but you're a spy, dude. You're going to get so many ladies, dog. Isn't that why you guys do the podcast, dog? So many ladies for the spies. I'm still waiting. (laughs) 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 Uh, I don't hear any volunteers. uh, (laughs) Hello? Please please call me. (laughs) Please call me. We're like Stallone, alone in our virtual environment. Just me and Master Clones. <laughs> <laughs> I, on the subject of George Clooney, um, I we do get a brief glimpse of George Clooney doing a Sylvester Stallone impersonation, and that was what I was going to say at the beginning that I said I would say for later because I was like, I want to see more of that. <laughs> it was really good. Yeah. It, was it was a good. great really good. And apparently when Stallone heard it, he thought it was him. Like, he thought it was himself and that they dubbed his dialogue over. He didn't realize that it was Clooney doing impression. It was really good. (laughs) Yeah, it was that good. It was really good. Props, Clooney. He also did, like, the 2022 Zoom sesh before anyone else because he filmed all of his scenes in, like, one day for Spy Kids. And he was, like, in pajama pants for the whole thing. He had, like, the top on and just pajama pants. (laughs) It's basically all I've got on right now. Yeah. Yeah. Pajamas. I I can't get my leg that high. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Or can I? No. Um, (laughs) I did have a... I mean, have we run out of things we'd like to critique? I will throw it out one last time. Um, I'll just 
say like is it a spy kids movie when like you kind of remove all of the elements of the franchise and just kind of wedge it in the last 20 minutes like is this just kind of a judy solo movie that yes. has been branded as spy kids that's how i felt yeah my I, I, yeah. I think that's a critical flaw in the film I, I, yeah. I don't think it's down to the performance of Sabara. I don't think Junie is necessarily the problem. But, you know, you this whole franchise hangs its hat on, and I said it earlier, kids. Mm-hmm. Plural. And there ain't. They're just guys. They're not spies. They're just random guys in the game. One of my notes was, I didn't know this was called Junie, the only spy kid that matters. That's pretty <laughs> much how I felt, like, the whole time. And that's that's what I find strange, and and why I question whether uh, Alexa was available, is because mm. Rodriguez put a lot of investment into her. I remember Cam saying the story, and I think it was the first uh, review. He took uh, Rodriguez took Alexa to see Mission Impossible two or three, and said like, "I want you to be better than Tom Cruise." Like she's, oh, wow. she's he's trying to raise this actor up to that level and say, look, you can do this, Alexa. I believe in you. Let's go. And then the first film that has a solo portion, it's not her. And I want to see her. I'd rather see I'd most of this film with her. She's, I think, a bit more dynamic. She's got, yeah, she's got a better range as an actor. And his whole thing was he wanted her to compete against adults, not other kids. Like he really saw Alexa as being a very strong lead for this series. And... I haven't heard those sorts of stories about Daryl Sabara, who, like, I'm sure is, you know, fine as an actor, but, like, I just don't know that he was really able to ground a film. It doesn't really feel like it. He, yeah. I I don't think he's a bad actor. He's married to Megan Trainer now. He's he's all about that bass these days. I forgot about He is. He's all about that bass. Mm-hmm. No trouble. I mean, yeah, he's, I'm sure, like, I don't know if he's still doing acting. Like, I don't think he's a bad actor. I really just think that he had to do what he was given, but it he wasn't strong enough, at least at that time, to carry that movie. He just wasn't. And I don't know. And also, if you're a young child actor, and they put you in a green screen room with nothing in it, and they're like, you're you the star of the movie. Do? Yeah. Yeah. Like, Sam Worthington couldn't do it, and he's an adult. <laughs> <laughs> There's a few things Sam Worthington can do, I think. <laughs> I have one final sort of petty dislike. Not really petty. I love it. Petty. Let's go. Th- those um, <laughs> those stadium fans and that first big boss fight that he does oh. are fucking nightmare fuel. <laughs> yeah. They were terrifying. <laughs> like, I know it's supposed to be a video game, but I was just like, it just looks like thumbs. I don't it's even... badly rendered. Oh, <laughs> they're like <weird>. smears. <laughs> it reminded me of the uh, the old crowds in the wrestling games in the mid nineties and oh yeah, it's just oh like, yeah. Li- little guys just go. Uh, I can't. This is a podcast. I can't demonstrate. Um, but jumping up and down, basically. It it uh, reminded me of like the fans on like We Fit. Yes. <laughs> like, they're like little pins, just like wobble back and forth. Going, mm-hmm. Yay! Mm. I just love that Karen was like messaged me when she was watching the movie earlier and was like i'm so confused why is she saying everyone's your family and then flying out with her ponytails like (laughs) (laughs) it was so i felt like it was that was a weird they were like you said earlier they were trying to have some sort of theme but it felt just like thrown in and it didn't feel organic or genuine hollow felt very hollow yeah yeah, what was the didn't... message at the end of the day? 
Um, well, there was three, I think, wasn't there? Everyone's your family. Forgive people that have wronged you. <laughs> it's not how you win. The uh, It's how you play the game. Yep. Um, and then also everything to do with Montalban about, like, you know, dealing with a physical disability. Accepting yourself and yeah. mm-hmm. perception. Because they talk about perception versus reality earlier in the film, actually. So the, mm-hmm. yeah, there is a thread there. There's multiple threads. <laughs> oh, I forgot. I did have a. I have a like, Scott. Just yes. I have, Bring I have it a back. Like. I have a like when Come on, Aubrey. when Grandpa is talking to Junie towards the end, and he might not come back, and then he decides to come back, but it's only because he wants him to promise that he'll look at him as he's looking at him in the game while he's in the wheelchair in real life. And that honestly, that was one part that I was like, you know what? That that was a good little piece of acting. Like, thank you for, for saving this film, sir. Like it was really nice touching moment. And then everything else went to shit, you know, <laughs> who would have thought Khan Noonie and Singh was the best performance in Spy Kids three. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, it is interesting to me that they kind of took out all the other adults except for him. Because the the other ones made them, I mean, especially the second one crammed all the adults together for a prolonged period of time. Whereas like this one, it was all about grandpa and they really did push the parents to the background. Maybe he's the only one that had time. <laughs> Everyone else was busy with other projects. Possible. He was like, I have plenty of time to devote to you. He's Russian. <laughs> that was Russian. Sorry, Ricardo. Rip. <laughs> Rip. Jeez. It was his last film. It was not his legacy. <laughs> That's right. What a way to remember the guy. Rip. <laughs> so R.I.P. I have a question for you guys. Now, at the end battle scene, when we have them all, all the, you know, the adult characters all joining the battle, mm-hmm. Salma Hayek, as we've seen earlier in the movie, has pigtails throughout, like her daughter who flies in on pigtails. Mm-hmm. Did they want Salma Hayek to fly in on pigtails, and she was like, "No, I'm not <laughs> I, doing that. I'm not doing that. No, there is no way I'm doing that." Does Does the dad get a cool entrance? Who Who in their right mind would have even bothered suggesting that to her? She probably slapped somebody. She's like, have you seen Dust Till Dawn? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like Rodriguez could have asked her and got away with it. I think she probably would have been game. Really? I think that they well, they've worked together. Enough. Yeah, a lot. He yeah. kind of put her on the map with Desperado, really, I guess. So. Yeah, that's true. It, it's, it, I think it's probably just no one was imaginative enough to think of it. Weird. They were on like the last day of shooting. Like, okay, we've got everyone here. Just stand still and pose <laughs> at the screen. We've got our Avengers shot. Go. <laughs> Selma, say something sexy that we can blur over later for a kid's movie. <laughs> By the way, oh, I, I will state, I said it about Banderas and I stand by that. But there was definitely not enough Carla Gugino for me. True. No. True. She's great. She's barely in, the first in it. Two. I mean, great in the it, first she's one. She's so gorgeous too. Good golly gee. Mm-hmm. Well, I was dancing around that subject, but yes, there is that. <laughs> oh, I'll bring it up. She's beautiful. <laughs> she's beautiful. Well, when we talked about the second one, we complained that the parents weren't in it enough. And boy, they were in it an embarrassment of riches as opposed to this movie. Like, I really didn't realize after the second one that the parents would be almost completely absent from the third. I guess uh, the, the parents' appearances are the literal definition of diminishing returns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was pretty disappointed. I really thought we were going to get the fam, 
the whole fam from the majority, and it was just Junie. I've got a tangentially connected question about the film as we wrap up here. We had the lives on their chest in this film, and when major things happen to you, or apparently if you trip over, you lose five. (laughs) You lose a life, and you start with nine. My question to everyone is, how many lives do you have left on your current game? Like, I've had four near-death events in my life. So I'm down to five that I know of. What's your number? Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. I think I'm still pretty high. Um, I was just very lucky in that I did lots of things that I probably could have, like, hurt myself, but I was always pretty lucky, so... Um... All right, there's one night in Vegas that we won't speak of that I'm pretty sure you lost one night. One one life. Um, oh, that's a good one, actually, Scott. So I guess maybe take me down, like... So we start at nine. I, I'm probably, like, a six or seven. Oh, wow. So that was pretty uh, a pretty bad night for you, then. You, you licked a few robo-toads. Yeah, you know, there's a couple of health things along the way or whatever. So, yeah, I'll take a couple off, okay. you know, just for caution. But, yeah, I'd say six or seven. Okay, Cam's higher than me. Karen Aubrey, what do you got? I'm thinking of... I'm I'm going to go with seven that I can think of. Well, not seven. Oh, my God. Events. I'm just thinking I'm, I'm at seven. Seven lives left. You're doing well. Aubrey and I went through one together, actually. But we won't talk about that either. <laughs> I'm, bringing, I'm making this really real all of a sudden. This is a Spy Kids film. I should have kept it light. <laughs> I probably have, like, two lives left. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. a life lived right there. Or, or not. I don't know. I'm so clumsy. And unlucky. I've just had a lot of bad things hey, happen. Hey, I was almost killed by an ambulance. Can you imagine the shame? <laughs> Can you imagine the shame? Oh, no! Sorry, we can't send an ambulance to save the boy. He was killed by an ambulance, and that was our only one. <laughs> Scott's entire life is that scene in The Simpsons where Homer gets loaded into the back of the ambulance and runs into a tree, and then the gurney goes down the cliff. <laughs> the joke of that is... Cam, I, I've told Cam the story, but I don't think he remembers it. The ambulance in question missed me and hit a tree. <laughs> Perfect. Stop. Perfect. Oh my god. I was five. Oh my god. A true spy kid. Lucky duck. Um, I drove a golf cart off of a cliff into a lake once. That was pretty lucky. Was... Are you in Jackass Forever? <laughs> that was my audition tape. <laughs> Were you Michael Scott listening to the GPS? You just drive right into the lake. <laughs> it's a lake, Michael. <laughs> okay. It, it, it oh my god. Sounds like uh, I'm probably. Uh, oh, I'm not last actually. Aubrey's last, and I, I'm one before. So uh, we're, we're on our way out, but that's fine. We, 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 we're, we're rock stars. Yeah, we're gonna go out like Elijah would on our back. Okay. Well, I've I've got a riff on Scott's question. You have nine lives. How many lives did Spy Kids 3D take away from you in terms of your movie-going enthusiasm? I'm dead. I think I have negative lives after that. Negative? I think I'm on 0.5. Yeah, I'm on 0.5. I'm hanging on, but I need a regeneration station. There's just a big you died screen like <laughs> for all of us. Apparently spies can never retire, so we'll never stop doing this shit. That's <laughs> yeah, right. that's mm. true. You're never out. Never out. 
Uh, well, any any final thoughts before we get to uh, the knock list, Cam? I have one that I'll just bring up, and I never realized the difference that's made when you're watching a high speed chase when hair is moving versus when it's not. <laughs> because in this whole sequence, you know, none of the characters their hair is moving, which makes sense. It's virtual reality. Why would their hair be moving? But it does make a real difference when you're watching it. You do not feel any sort of speed or momentum. Mm-hmm. It just looks fake. It's uh, the Spider-Man, <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow, whatever. It, well, it's not Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh, that Kirsten Dunst. Kirsten Dunst, yeah. That scene where she's swinging and like the hair's going the wrong way. And that, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I would almost mm. chalk that up to more negligence than them trying to pretend like it was virtual reality so their hair wouldn't be moving. <laughs> but do you think that was a choice? Like they chose not to move the hair or they just didn't? The one thing I noticed was when they were surfing, um, Alexa Vega's hair was kind of blowing a little bit. So I don't know. It's a good question. They just broke the wind machine out for her. Sounds like it's negligence. Well, my final thought is it was a movie. Well, was it? It was horrible. It was a, it was a film thing that was released in theaters. You want to know the only thing that I liked about this movie? It brought us together. That's right. It's true. Well, everyone is your family. And I feel so horrible for all of the parents who had this movie playing on a loop in their houses in like 2004 and 5. Oh, God. I I really want to hear this song now because the the Isle of Dreams, Alexa Penavega song, is pretty annoying. But if we're looking at the quality level of these two films, it definitely dips with 3D. So is this song, Game Over, even more annoying? It says the term game over a lot. <laughs> a lot. Like, <laughs> I can't wait, as someone who's recently closed a run of cats, to see how much more annoying it is than oh God. anything in than that cats. show. <laughs> it's telling to me that they play the song over the credits, but then keep fading the song out <laughs> to show clips. Yeah. Something important's happening. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you can come back up now. (laughs) Yeah. It's just an instrumental bit. Raise the volume. Yeah, no no one wants to hear us sing. Put it down. (laughs) I wonder if she does a song in the fourth one, because I know she has like a pop-in appearance in the fourth one, but she's not one of the stars. So I'll be very interested to see if... I'm so worried about this fourth one. I know it's got Joel McHale. What? That will help. That will help. Yeah. But like... Otherwise, I think the actor playing the mum. I think the villain is Jeremy Piven. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Oh, this is a this is scaring me. Well, uh, don't worry. Ah! Eight weeks from now, we'll be uh, what is it? All the time in the world. That's right. Oh, yeah, baby. Okay, <laughs> we're heading to the Spy Awards, guys. Is Spy <laughs> Put up Kids... the crappy banner? Yeah, with the crappy banner, is it going to fall off? Spy Kids 3D, game over. Is it making the knock list guests first? Karen, what do you think? Um, I would gonna have to give it a hard, hard no. A hard no. Hard. That's that's all I got. <laughs> I well, I I think I know everyone's vote, but I I think you've justified it already. Aubrey, come on, yay or nay? Uh, that would be a. Um, no, thank you. No, thank mm. you. No. Mm. Okay. Okay. So two no's. 
it's all to play for. Now, Cam has been quite sour on the Spy Kids franchise. I had to talk him into putting Spy Kids 1 on the knock list. Spy Kids 2 did not make it anywhere. Cam? I'm so, so sorry, Spy Kids 1. I owe you so many apologies. I had no idea how deep the abyss would go. Um, this movie's horrible, but I think it actually fails as a movie because... If you were in theaters and you saw it as a you know eight year old or something, yeah, it would probably be fun to see all the three D stuff. But you remove the gimmick, you do not have a movie. So I think it's just a complete failure. It's a no for me, big time. Well, I love this moment because it means my vote is pointless. <laughs> so I'm gonna vote yes. <laughs> Mostly for Sylvester Stallone's performance. Oh Jesus! <laughs> what a guy. <laughs> What no. a guy. Uh, so dreamy. Okay. Uh, and Salma Hayek and pigtails. No, honestly, it's a terrible film. I didn't like it. It it pales in comparison to the other two that we've seen so far. There's a reason why in my house we had the first two uh, copies, like VHSs or DVDs, I can't recall, and had them playing with my younger brothers. We'd watch them a lot. The third one, not so much. <laughs> Proof is in the pudding, folks. And there it is. Now, I saw Cam grab an implement of destruction whilst we were talking just there, so I feel compelled to ask another question. Is Spy Kids 3D going to get disavowed? I think we have to have the conversation. I don't know if, uh, you know, Aubrey, Karen, if you know about the disavowed list. It's something we started... In the wake of the movie Little Drummer Girl, which didn't make the list, but it was one where Scott said he would disavow that movie. And it was like, we tackle some that are just dire, like the worst of the worst. And it feels kind of cheap to just kind of lump them in with the other movies that don't make the knock list. Because sometimes okay or good movies don't make the list. There's certain ones that deserve a special categorization of the worst. So movies like the Taken sequels or the Harry Palmer sequels, things like that. Is Spy Kids 3D that bad like does it belong on a list of the worst of the worst now aubrey is furiously shaking her head back and yes forth. oh my it's god it's definitely yeah. a candidate and i would love to hear a disavowed episode on it it's yeah no it's terrible it did it, it like i said there really wasn't much spy stuff going on other than at the beginning them going go save your sister goodbye like that you know it was really just i didn't feel the same tone from the other movies. It was just, yeah, it's garbage. Garbage. I will go with a yes. I think it deserves. Now, to be fair, the rules are we all have to agree it has to be disavowed for it to be disavowed. And there's four votes on this. So I think it's a yes. I think I agree with Cam's concept. It fails as a film. There's, there's moments mm -hmm. of interest in there, things to talk about. We've had a lot of fun talking about it. But it fails as a film. It is just a proof of concept of what he can do with 3D. And he paid some actors to do it, unfortunately. So I'm voting yes. Aubrey's voting yes. Cam is the one who proposed it. So I, I'm assuming it's a yes, Cam. Yeah, I think I kind of underlined it just in my reasons for not putting on the knock list. Mm -hmm. Also, the vote hinges on Karen. Um, I am going to say not only is it a bad movie... The spy stuff in it is so shoehorned in. I don't even think it qualifies hardly. I mean, it has spy in the title, so I'm glad we're here talking about it. But um, as far as making the knock list, I'm going to 
or making the disavowed list, I'm going to vote for yes for those reasons. <laughs> Cam, disavow that sucker. That never gets old. That never gets old. I love that so much. Thank you, thank you. And that is, of course, in tribute to the slide whistle that scores the uh, car jump in The Man with the Golden Gun, the worst moment in the history of Bond films. (laughs) Well, it looks like Spy Kids 3D has been disavowed, and as such, we are going to commit it to the game over domain, where Sylvester Stallone is doomed to spend the rest of eternity with his Sylvester Stallones. Um, now, ladies, Karen Aubrey, the Chicklet Podcast. Obviously, we spoke about you when you came on last time, but what are you up to at the moment? We we have just started a fairly new season. We are covering um, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's or Philosopher's Stone, depending on where you are in the world. It's we, philosophers. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> um, they had to dumb it down for for us Yanks. For us Yanks. Yeah. Like <laughs> stupid Americans. Some sorcerer stones. Um, <laughs> we just started that. We also recently started a new, <laughs> um, chicklet. A new series called Chicklet: The Author Files, where we interview <gasps> authors and talk to them about um, books and authors who influenced them as children or young adults. Um, and of course, we are always doing our movie series. Um, you can find any of those wherever you listen to podcasts. I don't know if we're at the social plugging part yet, but that's what we've been up to lately. <laughs> we did join Chicklet to uh, talk about who framed Roger Rabbit, and that was a riot. Um, we have to infiltrate again sometime and uh, find another film to dissect. Hopefully with some more husky men in it. <laughs> oh, oh always. Saying. Always. That's we're the always only thirsty. requirement. <laughs> You bring husky men. I'll be there. there. (laughs) And I am willing to track down another obscure book to read, like I did with the book Who Censored Roger Rabbit. Yes! Yes! Yes, that was amazing. That was so cool. But uh, you you did just say, but where can people find you? There will be links in the show notes below, of course, to to where you can find the socials. But where can we find you on social media? Uh, You can find us on Instagram at chicklitpod as well as twitter at chicklitpod or you can email us chicklet.podcast.info at gmail.com i just keep sending him pictures of bob hoskins and they now have blocked me from emailing <laughs> <laughs> we've sent you to spam <laughs> it's okay it just bounces back to me and i get to enjoy it again it's true so, it's true yeah it's all good but again thank you both for coming back to the show i hope it wasn't too painful the second time round. Absolutely not. You're one of our first returning guests there. Congratulations. Oh, that's, yeah. that's nice. What? I'm honored. Yeah, we lost a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Ice cold, Scott. So mean, Scott. <laughs> Damn. It's because of our accents. You brought us back because we've been doing better, right? You have. I, I commend you on your accents, actually. Uh, I, I, we'll have to do some more training and uh, get you to, I don't know, what, do you, what what accent do you want to have? Like is it just Any. A, I, like but London's so diverse. Do you want to sound like a particular person or I don't know. We'll have to talk about this. We'll put a pin in that. We'll come back to it. <laughs> and you need to work on a Canadian accent as well. Oh eh. I used to live up there for a little bit. <laughs> How was that, Cam? I can't tell. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Where in Canada did you live? I missed my Timmy's, man. Oh, I lived in um, 
London, Ontario for a little bit. And then I lived in Kincardine, which is like a little town in Ontario. My family's up there. Oh, okay. So. We'll okay, have to pick right. a, a film with all British actors talking in British accents to come back yes. on the show. And then you can try and recite passages to me and I'll rate and review it. We'll have Cam on. Done. He can, he can be Paul K. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, nice callback. Karen, you win the episode. <laughs> but ladies... Chicklet, Karen, Aubrey, thank you for coming back. You're the best. And uh, make sure, guys, you check out Chicklet Podcast. It was a pleasure. Yes. Well, folks, you heard it. Spike is 3D Game Over has been disavowed. And as such, it's definitely not making the knock list. And the dossier on the film has been complete and filed as classified. Now, Cam, what have we got coming up next week? Yes, we are tackling 1965's The Liquidator. Starring Rod Taylor. I have not seen this movie and I'm really interested to dive into it. Yeah, I hadn't heard of The Liquidator, but I'm very excited because we are joined by Michael Richardson, who actually recently published the Guns, Girls and Gadgets 60 Spy Films Uncovered. And he's written all about this film and a bunch of other really great spy films. And we're going to be referencing the book in the episode. He has basically, you know, written the book, you know, literally on this film and many others from the 60s. So he'll be a great guest to have on board and uh, we'll all learn a lot, I'm sure. I think this one is going to be a lot of fun for sure. Well, there you go, folks. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to watch The Liquidator and join us next week. You can, of course, follow us on social media discreetly at SpyHards, that's S-P-Y-H-A-R-D-S on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. But until next week, Spy Kids, rip that wave, agents. <laughs>